Welcome to Everyone Loved It But Me. My name is Lisa Hedger. I'm a freelance writer, journalist, and editor in Central Ohio. Each week, I talk to a guest who has a different opinion on a super popular book. Hence the name, Everyone Loved It But Me. We don't book bash, but we will talk about a book in great detail. Today, we're diving into spooky October and are discussing the book Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. The first part of the show is really explaining the book, but we will get into spoilers in about 20 minutes. I'm very excited to have Leslie Hopping on today. Leslie is a fourth grade teacher in Central Ohio and will be co-host of another bookish podcast named Book Bumble that will be coming out soon. Once Book Bumble launches, I will update the show notes with a link. I will warn you that on the day Leslie and I recorded this super spooky book, it was mid-August. It was actually a very quiet and peaceful day. However, once I listened to our recording, I was astonished to hear wind and other completely creepy, eerie noises. I've tweaked some of them, but I figured with the theme of a haunted book, these unexplained ominous noises are probably there for a reason. Be sure to stay tuned for the end of the show where we turn Everyone Loved It But Me upside down and discuss a book or books, Everyone Hated It But Me. These are some books that myself or my guests have really enjoyed. Now, on to the show. So welcome to the show, Leslie. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Today, we are discussing Mexican Gothic. I'm just going to give a quick synopsis. This is a book um, about a young woman, a socialite in 1950s in Mexico. She's named Noemi, and she loves to go to parties. She's at a dance, and she's called home by her dad, who's worried about her cousin Catalina. So Catalina had just married a man named Virgil, and Catalina sends the family this frantic letter saying weird things were happening and that she was being poisoned. So the dad corresponds with the husband, Virgil. I think that's because it's like the 1950s, right? And so then he just... (laughs) Right? You're like, why is he doing... patriarchs. Yes, yes. And, And then, you know, he has to send Noemi... And he says, you know, you need to go. I was really impressed here because she negotiates with him and says, oh, you know, I really, yeah, I really want to go to National University and get a master's degree in anthropology. Well, he thinks that her main role in life, again, in 1950s, get married, but he agrees to let her uh, get this degree. So she goes to this mansion, very rural Mexico, named High Place, and quite frankly, it's just in the middle of nowhere. And it has monstrous like chandeliers, elaborate ornamentations, windows that don't open. The mansion becomes a character like right away. And then she meets this family and they're super strict. Virgil, who is Catalina's husband, is serious and secretive. You have Florence, the aunt, and she's strict and disapproving and keeps handing out all these rules to Noemi. Then you have Howard, who's Virgil's father, and he's old and creepy and then you get the rules and rules you can't talk during dinner the blinds must be closed and she has to get permission to even leave the house and there's a no smoking rule which seems pretty normal here but I guess in 1950 that was 
not the norm, especially if you've watched The Crown. And, and the only person she really gets along with is Frances, who's the family's youngest son. And she right away, and I'm telling you everything that happens within about the first 20 pages, finally gets to see her cousin, Catalina. And they say, oh, she had tuberculosis. But when she meets her, you know, it doesn't seem like she has the symptoms similar to that illness. Then Catalina starts asking her to get this special medicine, a tincture, they call it. We start to see all the creepy things unfold. And, and it gets darker and darker. She learns that there have been murders that have taken place in the family. And there's a grave. There's a cemetery right there. And all these people died on the same day. So we'll, we will get into spoilers, of course. But everything I'm telling you now, I think, was within the first 30 pages or so. So, Leslie, like, what, what were your overall thoughts of, of this book? That's a big question. Right away, you pick up the book, and if you've seen the cover, it's yes. beautiful. Yes. Like, the cover mm -hmm. is alluring, yeah. and you just wanted to jump in the book. And it's interesting because there's this light around Noemi. Mm -hmm. But you get into the book, and it's so dark. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, everything from the minute Noemi leaves... I think they live in Mexico City mm -hmm. for thereabouts. Yes. Whenever yes. she leaves there to go to High Place, everything just becomes dark. Right. I don't mind a dark book, but it was described a lot as a slow burner. Yes. And I was kind of waiting, and I just never, I felt like it was a slow burner that never took to flame. <laughs> like I, right. everyone was right. saying, oh, just wait till you get to this or that. And I kept waiting, and anticipating and thinking, rereading even to see yes. if I missed something. Right. And I just felt like it never went anywhere. I wasn't rooting for characters. I wasn't okay. attached to the place. I just, it was really hard to become a part of the book when I was reading it. Okay. And that's interesting that you're right. That is one of the biggest criticisms of it, I think, is that it is just really slow. <laughs> so those first 150 pages are so slow. And I was reading a review from The Guardian, and, and they had said, it's Lovecraft meets the Brontes in Latin America. And after a slow burn start, Mexican Gothic gets seriously weird, right? So... So if you're not familiar with the horror genre, H.P. Lovecraft is the master of a lot of horror books, and, and Bronte wrote Jane Eyre. I agree, it's definitely slow. Usually I feel like when it's a slow start, it's usually the plot that's a slow start, and you're kind of just getting attached to the characters. Right, right. But I never felt like I was getting to spend that time getting attached to the characters. So then when it started going a little faster and mm -hmm. getting weird, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. So at that point, it sounds like you didn't have an attachment, right? So you didn't feel like you really cared what happened because you didn't care right. that much about High Place or any of the characters. That, yeah, and that's kind of the worst because you want to have some kind of connection. You want to feel like you're rooting for somebody. I'd say the person I did like. Yes. Um, yes. I did like Francis. Okay. It was the youngest son that tried to help. Yes. But even he was a little flippant when it came to certain things, not quite ready to push against his family 
the patriarchy, but wanting to, and he just kind of hung in that middle space. Right. That's the person I started following and getting interested in. But And I think it's interesting. I really did like the descriptions of, of High Place. Mm-hmm. I thought... I did think the writing was good. And I was thinking just early on, like I was going to read this. I I just wrote a note to myself, like the house is a character. She describes it as, you know, it looked absolutely Victorian in construction with this broken shingles, elaborate ornamentation and dirty bay windows. She'd never seen anything like it in real life. And then she went on. These are just right in the beginning, pages 20 and 21. The house loomed over them like a great, quiet gargoyle. It might have been foreboding, evoking images of ghosts and haunted places if it had not seemed so tired. Slats missing from a couple of shutters, the ebony porch groaning as they made their way up the steps to the door, which came complete with a silver knocker shaped like a fist dangling from a circle. I thought that description was was really good. It is unfortunately not a book I would reread. Right. But if I were to reread it, I would, you know, when I start a book, I don't normally think of the setting as a character or part of the setting. I wish I would have paid more attention because just like you said, like gargoyles are meant to be guardians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, this is almost saying like, this is this tired protector that just can't do it anymore. Right. <laughs> like yeah. it's falling apart. It's trying to hold its people in and, and, yes. and guard the family, but it's just not being able to do it anymore. It's exhausted. One thing I also want to do when we do everyone loved it, but me, my, the stats where we just kind of show and illustrate that this was a pretty popular book. So this one was yes. just written a year ago in 2020. It was written by Sylvia Moreno Garcia and immediately went on the New York Times bestsellers list. It was Goodreads Choice Awards for Best Horror in 2020. It was a 2021 winner of the Pacific Northwest Booksellers. It was a winner of the Locust Award, named one of the best books of the year by New Yorker, Vanity Fair, NPR, Washington Post, Marie Claire, Vox, Men's Health, Book Riot, Library Reads, on and on and it's also in development to be a hulu original limited series i don't know if you'd heard that leslie but i just read that and it made me laugh because kelly Reppa, i yes. think and her husband yes. are developing right. it and i thought how interesting right right absolutely and i i've listened to a bunch of people describe pronounce her name noemi i think that's i I, I might be off i hope i'm close what did you think of her as a character so she's our main character it was interesting because i thought in the beginning i was going to really like her that she was totally spunky she is yes you know, she wants what women weren't getting at that time. She's beautiful. Yes. She, she knows all the people. Yes. She finally got out of her father um, what she wanted. But then there's that dislike of her a little bit where she's so close to Catalina, but she needs to be bribed to go help her. Right, right. <laughs> or right. she she yeah. goes and she right. dresses in all her dresses and really she's just annoyed. Yes with how she can't talk and the food is horrible and the service is not good pretty much. (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yes. So that's so funny. I was writing some of those notes. She's fun. She's smart. 
She smokes. She's mm -hmm. naturally flirtatious. Preferred to jump from party to party on a weekend and drive a convertible. And that's how she described herself. <laughs> now, I do think it's interesting, and we'll talk about kind of the gothic genre in general, but the Chicago Review of Books, they wrote, the heroine around which the story revolves, Noemi, is hardly the naive damsel figure so common in gothic novels, and Morena Garcia's novel is all the better for it. Noemi is a glamorous firecracker ahead of her time in 1950s Mexico City, a little spoiled and selfish, but fiercely intelligent. So I thought that did kind of describe her. She is mm -hmm. selfish, but super intelligent. Yeah. And she, what she wants, I, it almost is as if, it just makes her more and more mad that she can't be in control of yes. helping her right. cousin. Like, the cousin is almost the damsel in distress, yes. and she's there to take on that heroine role Correct. for her. Oh, I think you're right, because I thought it was interesting the way Chicago Review of Books wrote that, because I was thinking, you're right, Catalina is really your traditional gothic damsel. By the time we see her, she's clearly been drugged, catatonic, right. but, you know, she's so sick, and she never gets out of her room. It says it's impossible to get out of this house, and she likes that kind of Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre and, and things like that. Yes, Rebecca. Yes, the other characters. I, I made an assessment on, on Howard. That's Virgil's father. I said he was creepy. I mean, did you agree with that? He is. Right. He's right. creepy, and we. I know you're going to bring some eugenics things up later but he really is like yeah he's like an a creepy anthropologist yes. in his own home yes just kind of assessing who would be best yes to like and who is not worth the time and that and again <laughs> that comes up like on page 30 or 40 that comes up very early right so not a spoiler, not a spoiler. Yeah. i mean we will get into spoilers we'll give you a quick heads up before we do but at this point this is all stuff within the first you know 20 30 yes. pages i thought he was super super creepy and not super creepy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I didn't like the doctor who was treating Catalina. Of course, you don't like Florence, the mom, like the kind of the main. Oh, right. So I, the one yeah. book that I have read recently that you mentioned, Rebecca, I've read that in the last mm -hmm. year. And I would say for the first hundred pages or so, this kind of reminded me of that. And Florence reminded me of Mrs. Danvers from Rebecca. Oh, yeah, yes. she was the housekeeper in Rebecca, and she was really mean mm -hmm. and, yeah. and surly and angry. And I thought that's kind of how Florence was. Florence is always shouting at her and yes. saying, you know, we do not talk during dinner. We appreciate the silence in this house. Florence busts her every day for smoking in her room, which she can't open the window <laughs> because all the windows are <laughs> very shut. <laughs> and then she gets very upset when she starts to see her and Francis talking and becoming, yes. getting to know each other. Leslie, do you read a lot of gothic novels or is this, is this kind of part of what you would read or is this a little unique for you? This is definitely unique for me. I have read Rebecca. Mm -hmm. I love all the Bronte right. books. I've read those very old school yes. ones, but I have not picked up the current gothic. I like thrillers, mysteries, mm -hmm. those kinds of things, but not quite the the noir, like gothic book. So I was thinking this was going to be a little bit more of a mystery right, um, right. than and, and then it didn't quite end up being that. It ended up being 
much more on the gothic end of that right. <laughs> spectrum. So it was a little bit of a surprise right, right. for me as I was reading I, it. I think so. I think so. And it's interesting because I don't read a ton in gothic. So I was trying to do some research about it. So it was the New York Public Library. I mean, they said the very first like mm-hmm. gothic novel was 1818 Frankenstein. And then they described Dracula. And I was looking at Book Riot. So a gothic story might include grand and decaying architecture, which we have here, right? Like medieval castles, oh, English manors. Southern mansions, grim weather, freezing rain or oppressive heat, ghosts, darkness, with or without candles. So those are all things we have in this book. Mental illness, dungeons, basements, secret passageways, eroticism, sick or sickly women, passionate and sometimes villainous men, blood, gloomy forests, and of course, the aforementioned sublime emotions and eerie atmosphere. So I was like, wow, I guess it does have most of those things. Even the fog that surrounds, like when she goes to the cemetery at some point, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes. Just the fog, the disorienting fog that's even around it. Yes. Like, you, so gloomy. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I was reading um, the Chicago Review of Books, and they were saying, Leah Morena Garcia's novel deserves to be heralded as a new classic of the genre. It's tempting to say that Marina Garcia brings a breath of fresh air to the gothic novel, but as fans know, gothics leave no room for fresh air. They're claustrophobic and dread-filled. The walls of their crumbling, oppressive mansions are always, in one way or another, closing in. So I thought that was, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is how the book fell and it and it's funny because I really wanted to like yes. it and I really tried yes. to evaluate it as do I just not like the genre sure. or do I just sure. not like the writing right. but I agree with you that the writing was re- pretty beautiful mm-hmm. she did a really good descriptive job right but just there for me there wasn't a lot of buy-in right. to the story right. you need to feel connected in some ways did you get to a point leslie where you just didn't really care what the outcome was or were you did you still feel a little vested I, not really just sad but i didn't really care that much about catalina anymore sure. because she just really didn't care about herself right? i felt the fight for francis and his desire to help yes. noemi yes. Like, I felt like he wanted to be a better person. So that was the one place that I felt a little vested in that journey for them together. Not as a romantic one, but more just for him to feel like he is a better person than he was being forced to. I think we'll start giving some spoilers. So if you don't want to hear those, you're, you're warned. Oh, no, sorry. no, 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 you didn't give them, but I'm going yeah. to because you mentioned okay. <laughs> not being a romantic interest. Well, they do end up yes. having a romantic thing, right? Yes. And, and I wasn't sure I was yes. completely sold on that. And I, you know, right, no. because she kind of feels sorry for him. And it mentions one point where she right. doesn't even think he's handsome. It doesn't match character that we were told in the beginning. Yes. If you're thinking of a feisty right. woman who wants to be like more than they are allowed to be in the yes. 50s out at galas here yes. and there that person is not going to settle for someone they don't feel attracted agree to. that was one part of the plot that, that i didn't really agree with there's there's mushrooms and there's <laughs> there's wine and, and i thought to myself i thought okay noemi got this letter where catalina says that she thinks she's being poisoned so 
And by the way, right. Noemi comments on the wine and you see reference after reference about how bitter <laughs> and she doesn't like the wine. And I kept thinking, right. she's a smart woman. Why is she drinking the wine? And then I wondered, is she drinking the wine? Because she is supposed to be the heroine who makes stupid mistakes. But yeah, I thought she wasn't. So I was really confused by that. What What was your take? And eating the yeah, food. I know. And complain. And- complaining about it all the time so again that like i and i know myself i love character driven books sure so for me i mean those are the ones love them or hate them i jump in with the characters so this was not that for me and that's okay Uh, it's good to read other books but like she didn't even stay consistent It was so inconsistent they built up this strong independent woman and then she almost started and smart Smart, sure. smart, smart. They kept saying how smart she was. And then she did so many times. Wow, this wine tastes really weird. Oh, well, we make it right. here. Okay, well, if you think that they're poisoning your cousin, right. I probably wouldn't be drinking right. it. Right, Why are you drinking it? And I was trying to remember, you guys, it's it's well into, it's maybe not quite 200 pages, but mm-hmm. it's well into, this is a 300-page book, so it's a good 200 pages before. Francis basically says, yes, you know, yes, there there is something in the wine and in the food, but this is just eggs, yeah. so you're okay here. Why did she not pick up on that? I just thought that was a character flaw, mm-hmm. you know, I I have a hard time with them saying, you know, bringing, you know, that fresh air to the, you know, that heroine where you don't normally have a strong heroine when she's making all those same mistakes. Like, no, no, don't go into the basement. Right. You know, and she's like, oh, what's down in this door with no light? Oh, a creepy basement. Like, I felt like she was falling right into that absolutely absolutely (laughs) right right another podcast i had listened to where silvia marina garcia Mm -hmm. was actually interviewed and talking and she was talking a lot about gothics and she said you know oh when you're going to the thrift store you see a 50 cent book where the heroine is running away from that creepy mansion where you expect them to do all the wrong things i wonder if she just felt like she still did need to include some of that, you know, because that's just part of the genre. She might have. You know, I, I did want to give just a little information about our author, too. On her website, she describes herself as Mexican by birth, Canadian by inclination. So she was born in Mexico and moved to Canada in 2004. So right. she's written a lot of critically acclaimed novels, Gods of Jade and Shadow. She has an M.A., in Science and Technology Studies from the University of British Columbia. And her thesis is online, and it's very interesting. It's titled Magna Matter, Women, and Eugenic Thought in the Work of H.P. Lovecraft. (laughs) So she gets right to it. Yes, and she also has said she doesn't want to write what would be expected of her as a Latina. So she doesn't want to write necessarily about Hispanics and the immigrant stories. And when she was talking on the CBS This Morning podcast, she says that when she pitched this idea and told editors about it, they basically said a book set in Mexico will never sell, you know, which is really frustrating. That's one of the reasons she wanted Mexican in the title. We get to the, the setting. Clearly, High Place, this dilapidated mansion, is a big setting. We know it's in Mexico, but one of the criticisms I saw consistently is 
Some people feel like there's not a lot of description of Mexico in the actual book. What did you think, Leslie? I agreed with that when I was, you know, I'm nervous and excited to be on the podcast with you, more excited than anything, but I'm such a teacher, I wrote down notes, and I was thinking about that fact that as a reader, I wanted to know more about, like, there were some references to mining incidents or the revolution, and and the part that the family played in that. But it makes sense if that's where she didn't want the focus, that she didn't put it there, but as a reader... I, I actually did want that a little bit more because they would just kind of drop little pieces about it. And again, not much is known about or written about in fiction that Correct. I've read about that time period and that place. So yes. as a reader, I wanted just a little bit more so that I would under, maybe understand it a little bit Absolutely, better. because I think it was really unique. And that's what a lot of the reviews said, that she mm-hmm. chose to do this Gothic novel in Mexico, which makes it really cool because most are in England. Yes. I read a lot of reviews where they said, gosh, it felt like it could have been almost anywhere. And any time, yes. really. It almost felt like timeless once you were in Correct. the in yes. high place. Very timeless. Right, right, absolutely. It was very clear we were in the 1950s for that first 10 pages or so. But then after that, you're mm-hmm. right. It was kind of like, okay, why 1950s? Is that just so we get to see these awesome, beautiful outfits in the, <laughs> right. on the show? <laughs> she came down in her little cap sleeves and yes. her cute dresses to the yes. very dreary dinners. Absolutely. I can't wait to see those on, on this show. And you had brought up the, the cemetery. We're at the spoiler point. We know the first 150 pages is building on this mystery. Mm-hmm. It's slow. And we wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> and so what did you, I mean, you probably knew like, okay, there's something going on with these mushrooms. Right. The mushrooms, the yes. fungus, this fungus that just oh, it's all was over the house. prevalent. Yes walls i mean it felt like it was again it became part of that character it was almost it's a living breathing thing so i think it was very smart to make it like a fungus but that almost ends up being the twist you're waiting for and i just i (laughs) i didn't twist along with it i guess i was just confused by its part in the story so when i started seeing it being mentioned I thought, well, this is going to be really important. And then I just kept waiting for the importance to show up. And when it did, for me, it was not what I had hoped. Was it too supernatural for you or unrealistic? It's hard because I love fantasy stuff. So I will be the first to admit I watch shows that I get made fun of, like Charmed and all of those shows. So, you know, the openness is there, but it was just so out of the blue. It wasn't cohesive with with what was going on with the family. Like there was a a line that was going on with the family and this eugenics Mm -hmm. piece. And then there was a line of this fungus taking over the house. Almost like a black shadow just kind of like seeping into the people in the house and the house that I felt like it was just kind of dissecting into two different. And if there's anybody out there, I I, probably most people know what eugenics is, but I will include a link to to the History Channel. But they were just describing, okay, it's a practice or advocacy of improving the human species by selectively mating 
people with specific desirable traits. Unfortunately, this has happened in our history. Think of Hitler in World War II, right? That's exactly what is happening here, is Howard is this patriarch. We learn there's this thing called the gloom, and we learn that Howard, he's like, he just keeps getting grosser and grosser and worse and worse. Oh I mean, my the, gosh. the yes. chapters and the, dis- <laughs> I guess it's not chapters that were describing him, though it felt like it, the, the paragraphs describing mm-hmm. him were so disgusting, felt like a chapter. <laughs> and he uh, spent a life for 300 years. And so he discovered that those mushrooms can extend his lifetime. And he's used the mushrooms and cannibalism and. This is where yes, it just started morphing, just like, blowing up for me. So the I just house wasn't in the air are filled with the mushrooms, and they're all alive, and it's a symbiotic relationship. And if you live mm-hmm. there, like Howard's kind of controlling everybody. When Noemi was having her dreams, in some cases it was right. people who had lived there. One character, she killed a bunch of people, and we of course discovered the reason she had done that was to end right. all of this. She was presented in pictures that were up in the hallways, and Noemi kept looking at them and asking questions, but they just kept saying, again, back to that gothic, mental illness. Well, she was just crazy. She was just a crazy woman. (laughs) That was Ruth, wasn't it? I think it was Ruth. Here's my notes on Ruth, you guys. So Ruth fell in love with a man who mysteriously disappeared, but she's ordered to marry someone else. So before the wedding... Yes, yes, yes. She drugs and shoots up the entire household and then killed herself. And then Florence later married and had Francis, but her husband went raving mad and was found dead. So that's why there's so few of them. But Ruth, Ruth is alive. She's dead. She's dead, but she's alive in this weird house. (laughs) And she's sending messages to Noemi, trying to tell her, Mm -hmm. I did it wrong. Or, you know, open your eye, like things like that, right? Throughout the book where she's trying to, to tell her how to escape this, this gloom. And then Francis, basically they want Noemi and Francis to, to get married. They want them because they've learned that when they all keep sleeping with the same four or five people, they have infertility problems. <laughs> wow, my mind is blown, right? Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Whoa, guys, who knew? <laughs> so that's why they brought Catalina yes. in. And then when Noemi shows up, they're like, all right, man, let's let's get her. Howard thought she was, and he made various references to her being even better than Catalina that he she was a much better specimen than Catalina I think he even used the specimen word and she was very creeped out because you know she's an independent spunky woman not a not a specimen Francis and Noemi agree to get married and then we have a lot of things that happen like Catalina is stabbing Howard, Howard's almost dead, and they're trying to escape. Did you think that Catalina and Noemi were going to get out alive, or did you think one of them was going to die? I thought Catalina, being the weaker, I hate to say that, but the weaker character, that she would end up getting one burst of heroic energy, as in a lot of stories, one burst of heroic energy, but then dies trying. 
I thought that Noemi would survive because she seemed to be the character that was trying the most to survive sure. through the For whole sure. story. Yeah. So, and that was a criticism too. I know some people have said, well, mm-hmm. wow, it was almost too happy of an ending. Although in the, in the end, they escape and we have Francis and Noemi together and they're happily in love, which you and I had talked about. We're not sure how realistic that is. <laughs> and, <laughs> And Catalina. Then there's a huge fire, you guys. They set the place on fire, which we realized that's why they didn't want her to smoke is because this gloom doesn't like light. It doesn't like fire. I don't think there was any reason why you couldn't really talk. I think that was just a preference in the household, maybe. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So this fire happens. And were you thinking in your mind, Leslie, like, okay, the gloom has still got to be there. Did you think that? Or did you think, okay, it's gone? <laughs> what, what did you think? Well, I mean, I was I was thinking just like, you're not supposed to burn poison ivy in the fire because it would get into the air. If you're burning something like yeah. wacky mushrooms, I don't know. I feel like Absolutely. they would also then continue to be in the air or continue because it's a fungus. Right. Continue in those basement regions or the cemetery to somehow still be viable. But I kept thinking to myself, you know, it got really murky and a little confusing, but I kept thinking there's still a chance that that transformation, what if that did happen and Francis gets a little bit of Howard in him, right? Or that somehow comes alive. Mm -hmm. And I agreed with you. I thought there's no way these mushrooms are, are gone. I feel like with this kind of genre, you're expecting that that question will be there and will be just a little bit identified in the ending, just a little small reference as he looked into the mirror and said, wow, she's a great specimen. I don't know, something like just mentioned or whispered that makes you think this gothic thriller doesn't tie up romantically in love. I think that it almost, it got too jumbled. Uh, Again, I appreciate Mm -hmm. her writing and it was so beautiful, but it got, I mean, you could honestly have taken the eugenics out. Correct. Completely. You could have taken out all of these things that ended up being convoluted in the story to make it more enjoyable because it got to a point during oh that big gosh. fight scene yeah. that should be like the, the top of the mountain, the arc. And it just is, kind of, there's yeah. so much going yes. on. You don't even know where the story is supposed true. to be going. I now. just felt like same as you, I was confused. You had brought up the cemetery earlier. What were some of your thoughts? So creepy. This cemetery and the mist and this idea of, you know, she finds herself looking through it, but then she turns back. She's not sure where she is. She loses a little sense of place, but also she feels like she's not getting any further away from the, from high place, from the house, even though she's kind of trying to. And then again, there's a point where you're like, Francis shows up. I thought at least I'm like, is he good or is he bad? And I like that. I like that not knowing, but, but then I feel like, Again, there are hints back to the mining yes. accidents yes. and this and that. And then it just doesn't go anywhere. And then the cemetery right. scene's done. Right. So they start talking about this mysterious illness, you know, that killed all these people in one day. Right. And then it unfolds mm-hmm. that basically they were used to feed the mushrooms. 
I know, it sounds so weird to even say that aloud. I think that's what it was, or it was a combination of that and people just getting sick when they didn't want to admit what the sickness was and the doctor was part of that. Right. Kind of hiding that. And that was confusing to me, which was, okay, so this mushroom keeps power to life, but it kills people too. It makes some people sick, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like, again... We're both sure, really sure. avid readers. I do not mind doing some sure. of the work in the book. Like I don't, I don't, I don't always want to read palate cleansers, sure. but sometimes I want to read them where I have to think about it. But this one, I felt like I yes. was thinking about it, and it was just either it didn't have enough at some places, and then it had too much in other Absolutely. places. There are some pretty dark things we haven't talked about these, but there's a couple heads up if you're listening to this, you know, in in a car or something, in a carpool with kids, some almost rape scenes that that happen that are pretty horrific. And there was a sense the whole time with Noemi hating Virgil, but also he just had an air of a little bit of mystery too, like kind of he's debonair in a way, but he was also really mean. So there was kind of that love-hate relationship with her towards yes. him, but then he just started seeing her as For another sure. specimen sure. again, yeah. like his and I went father. Back, yes, going back and forth on Virgil, too. Most of the time, I did not like him, but I thought, well, maybe he is one of those characters right. that they're, you know, we will end up like. Maybe right. he is a better person than they're showing. No, he's not, you know. Yeah. I mean. No. Nope. I mean, (laughs) most of the characters kind of are who they are. The the only one that you go back and forth on is is Francis. There was that other doctor in town who periodically showed up. And you kind of had hope for him. And he was like, oh, sorry, there's not much I can do. (laughs) Every time you saw him. Yeah, I know that there's some killer fungus and a lot of horrible murders have happened right. there, but I'm sorry, you know, right. that's I mean, just the way it is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I... Again, a lot of hope for some of these characters. I just, that I think that's probably, looking back, one of my biggest things is that just a thing that could be changed and probably will be with feedback and sure. the way TV sure. is. You needed those characters to be right. more developed to help you push through the oh, setting yeah. and the plot. You needed them to be right. solid. Right. I was thinking, too, through the whole thing that there's no real theme. Like, a gothic is right. gothic. Gothic, right. you know, if you think of all those books that you mentioned before, I felt, though, that as great as a writer that she was, that it's almost like... You saying, I want to write a mystery. And you take everything that could ever be in a mystery and you try to just right, stuff it all right. in one book. When you, you only need snippets, it needs to almost just be, you know, an essence that it's a mystery. It doesn't need to be kind of shoved in your face. And I felt like all those things you read about Gothic, literally, yeah. all of them were in there and they didn't really all need to be in there so you just got convoluted in what could have been a really beautiful gothic it's interesting i was looking at fox had written an article and they described it they said in the deliciously creepy new novel mexican gothic the true evil is colonialism 
So the true source of the Gothic and Mexican Gothic, the awful force that creates restraint against which the Gothic heroine must fight, the source of the rot is colonialism. The Doyles come um, to El Trufino to take the silver from its earth and have never cared that they have exploited its people or that they continue to do so still, their only concern is personal enrichment. Howard refers to his former mine workers as mulch. To save herself and Catalina, Noemi must push back against the forces of an old imperial power and against the creeping, insidious pleasure she knows it would bring her if she were to submit to it. That's really interesting because they do talk a lot about the silver and the mining. And one of the reasons that they wanted Noemi, too, is because of her wealth. They made that very clear. Like, yeah, her bloodlines looked good and everything, they thought. But but it was, they wanted the wealth. It gets so jam-packed with so many things that I was kind of left thinking, okay, what is our theme? <laughs> and 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 that that was a good a good thought at one. I, I definitely thought that was that was a possibility. I think she had a lot that she wanted to say. A lot yes. of depth to the book. But you just got I just I personally I just got lost in some of the I mean that horrific scene during the wedding and Howard and them making her use the same dress that's yes. always been used. And it was just such a strange, like, funnel that fell outside of the rest of the right. book that had right. happened. Right. That I it just, definitely, yes. I was left Absolutely. forgetting the all the rest. The 50 pages were just this slow, whatever you want to describe it, right? And then the rest, mm-hmm. the last... 150 were just jam-packed with all this stuff. So you had plot and, and marriages and fungus mixed with, you know, shooting. And it was a lot. I mean, <laughs> it, it was a lot. And it was. It was interesting. I was going to add, too, that I was I had read an NPR question and answer with Sylvia Marina Garcia, where she was asked why she chose oh. Mexico rather than Europe. And her answer is the direct inspiration for this novel was a real town in Mexico. This is located in kind of the middle part of the country in the mountains. It's called Real del Monte or Mineral del Monte. So it was mined by the Spanish first. And then in the 1800s, the British came and they started mining there. And that's how it earned its nickname of Little Cornwall. So this town, she adds, it has an English cemetery just like in my book. And that is what inspired the novel. I went there one time and I was walking around the cemetery and it was misty and it's kind of chilly and rainy there, especially certain times of the year. And I looked around and I thought, this is something out of a Hammer film. So it never really quite left me. And so that goes back to our cemetery, the Doyle family, the misty, the rain, all the weather. How it's always cold in the mansion. I I mean, she really connects the dots. And when I do listen to her, she really loves, like, gothic and horror. And she has all those elements. And she's this amazing writer. Would you read her next one? Velvet was the night. Velvet was the night. I haven't read any of her other books. And I thought the other day, when we were chatting back and forth on text, I was thinking, I'd be interested in trying... Another one of hers. Again, I enjoyed the writing. I'd be interested to see if the rest of the stuff is the same. If that's just kind of how her writing is. And that some people love it and some people don't. Or if it was just this book. So I would be interested in reading another one of hers. Because 
I would probably definitely give maybe an extra star too. I, I guess I give a lot of extra stars because I'm trying to be kind, but because it is, <laughs> it is kind of unique. Like there's some parts of it that, you know, but I still would probably settle mm-hmm. out of five stars. I'm somewhere around three stars. Do you ever give stars for your books? I was actually the same. A three. I, I wanted to give it a four yes. because again, yes. her writing was really well done, but I, I just... The, the really good writing attributed to sure. getting it to a yeah. three for me. And that's why I think that she is a great writer. I just am wondering, that's that's more, yes. that's why I'm interested in reading another book. I'd, I'd like to see if it was just this Absolutely. book that didn't do yeah. it for me. I do think that she had something to share, right. whether it was about the right. colonialism or yes. about the eugenics or about women, how they were treated in the 50s. I don't know, sure, but because sure. it was a little convoluted, but I felt like she had some things that she was trying really hard to to share even outside oh, that was so. bigger I than the so. book. Yeah, I... Just got lost right. in yes, all the crazy Yes, it totally did. And, and sometimes <laughs> I think that happens when you have this beautiful writing and, and you're describing things. And so then you're you're fixated on the monstrous chandeliers and, and all of these different components that – Maybe sometimes right. when it's done a little more um, simply, you think, oh, mm-hmm. okay. But, yeah, it, it's one of yeah. those, I mean, the mark of a good book is one that causes people like you and I to have this kind of discussion. Hey, guys. I think it's starting to get a little nutty here. I really feel like I'm hearing wind and rain. So, it's probably the best to have a little intermission right before we get to everyone hated it but me. So I would love it if you would follow me on my website, which is www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. You can find all my social media links there and feel free to reach out to me. Of course, if you got that perfect Everyone Loved It But Me book to recommend, you can connect with me on any of my social media sites. I would also love it if you would consider following my podcast and a five-star rating would be awesome. Something really exciting, Leslie had reached out to me after the recording and gave me a recommendation, so I'm going to add one more book to the list. After Leslie and I recorded, she had passed on the name of the book, The Invisible Husband of Frick Island by Colleen Oakley. So I'm adding this to the show notes. This is a book about a young woman's husband who is lost at sea, but she continues to go about her life as if he's still with her and still alive. She lives on a teeny tiny island and everyone on the island, all the island folks go along with her too and pretend he's still alive as well. I'm about 100 pages in and it's quite good. So um, that's one to check out. And now we're going to get on with the rest of the show. And Everyone Hated It But Me comes up now. So now we come to one of my favorite parts where you get to share some books you love. I kind of flip the narrative and say everyone hated it but me, but it's something. Maybe books that you think aren't getting as much attention or notoriety or or perhaps just, just some books you really love. Leslie, what have you what have you loved lately? Well, that's a hard one. I literally was just 
just pun- for days. And I was like, okay, well, I love this one, but I really love this one too. But so I kind of thought of what I missed from Mexican Gothic okay. and kind of put my head in that. Right, path. right. One of my, I don't buy many books, so I always look mm-hmm. to my shelves for what I've actually bought because those are the books that have kind of stuck with me. Sure, And sure. one of those is Language of Flowers. It was Vanessa uh, Diffenbaugh's first book, I think. Okay. Or at least one of her first ones. And it just, I'm a very character-driven book right. person. Right. And this is just a story about this young woman who isn't able to communicate through anything but the Victorian meanings to flowers and what the flowers represent. And she finds her way through the world using that to help people communicate with each other and for her to communicate with people. And it's just a really beautiful book that you can just get really wrapped yeah. up with. It sounds and really... then also just sticks with you. Wow. Yeah, it sounds really lovely. And it's funny because I'm a big mystery person, so that is not always my type of book. Right. But I just, it's something that really stuck with me. Another book that I've recently loved. People have been really into all the retellings of the Greek myths. That's been, yes, you know, yes. Thousand ships have come out. Yes, I love Circe. Yes, you know, you have all yes. these. So sometimes I go down the rabbit hole with those when I get really into one and just enjoy it and want to know more about it. I keep digging and digging, and I found an older one by Natalie Hain who wrote Thousand Ships. Okay. And it's called The Children of Jocasta. Oh, okay. I, I mean, it. <laughs> the cover even looks like something someone made in their garage. Oh, wow. It's not appealing. <laughs> kind of the opposite of Mexican Gothic. Right, right. But that's okay. But it's this, it is. Yeah. It's the story of, you know, Jocasta, and she was married off by her family to this very old kind of nasty king, and stuff happens, but... She later meets a man, a young man, handsome man named Oedipus. Okay. If you know the story of Oedipus, this is kind of the story of Jocasta's children and her relationship later in the story with Oedipus, and it kind of goes back and forth with time periods when she has her children and later in her relationship with Oedipus. And it's just kind of definitely a lesser-known one, but just as well-researched and beautifully written as Thousand Ships. Nice, nice. And you liked Thousand Ships, too? I really did. Have you read it yet? No, I haven't read it. And you, I need to get that one on my list. I like Greek mythology, probably not as much as my 11-year-old. I mean, he just devours it. (laughs) I had just brought this up uh, recently that... Like when I read Circe, I think I was sick, and so I didn't end up. Mm. And it's one I should go back and and finish it up and start it like when I'm healthy and really focused. I think you'll like yeah. it. I yeah. I read that and Ariadne and yeah. started reading some of those uh, books, Silence of the Girls. That's oh, another yeah. Um, yeah good one that just kind of goes along with looking at a different voice, sure. which I love. Sure. Looking at um kind of a. a, a 
a quieter voice in those bigger time pieces. You hear about Achilles, and you hear about Agamemnon, Mm -hmm. but not about the other people that are there. Especially the females. So I love that concept. Especially the females. Right, (laughs) right. Absolutely. I mean, it's like what we talked about with Mexican Gothic. You know, it is nice to have these um, female voices. And, And I think, like with Thousand Ships, it's not only that these retellings from all these um side voices the mostly female voices but it's also the the author the way that it's written okay um it's just broken up by all these beautiful you know letters from penelope to Oedipus to odysseus okay yeah and backstories of people that you just never heard of but they all connect in with the real greek myths and it's just fun yeah. even if you don't know a lot about them it's just fun to see all these smart, I, I love smart authors, yes. just yes. these little smart tie-ins that you're like, oh, I noticed that. Right, <laughs> right, you know? right, right, um, absolutely. Yes, that's really cool. So, and right now I'm reading the um, personal librarian, Marie Benedict, is just a fun That looks good. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sa- same idea, kind of those quieted voices, mm-hmm. you know, it's a story about J.P. Morgan's library but it's about the librarian oh and how she actually is and this is not a spoiler how she is a very light-skinned black person okay. but she yeah. they have signed in on the census as being white so that they can have a life oh wow okay at that time yeah period. Right. So it's this story of not only a young woman taking a, a position in the art industry which is huge right. but also secretly yes right <laughs> You know, right person of a different right. race that isn't really looked upon as being smart, okay, and savvy, and that. And do way. they? Does she identify as black, or does she try to pass as white? Um, she pa- she's trying to pass, so she got her job with J.P. Morgan oh. as oh. passing as gotcha. white because once the mom, when they were younger, mm-hmm. she did the census. Right. Okay. This is in the early 1900s, yeah. and she marked herself and her as children white. as white. Okay. And that's a big issue, I think, especially here in 2021 with the vanishing half being so popular and us right. learning. And and the one that you're meant, that's historic fiction, right? I yeah, wanna... Marie Benedict does a good job with that, the historical fiction. I mean, you can really find, I would say, 75% of it as being true. Okay. And the people that they come across and the people that come in the story. And then she just kind of does a nice job of filling in the gaps that aren't known. Awesome. Now, that sounds really good. So, and everyone, I will will put links to these books as well in the show notes and the website. And Leslie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I've had so much fun. And I really, really appreciate your time. So, all right. Oh, thank you, All right, thank you. Welcome to the after show. I want to thank Leslie Hopping again for coming on the show and talking about Mexican Gothic. We had such a fun and spooky conversation. And I want to thank all of you for listening to my show. It's a one woman podcast. I read all the books, write and edit and produce everything from my central Ohio home. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please consider telling your friends and relatives about my show, and it would also really help me if you would consider a five-star rating. If you have a super popular book that you read and you didn't love that you think would be perfect for everyone loved it but me, 
reach out to me on my website. My website is www.everyoneloveditbutme.com and I have show notes for every episode. You can find links of the books that we discussed. I've chosen to affiliate with bookshop.org, which is an online bookstore similar to a really big one we all know, but this one has a mission to support local independent bookstores, which I feel is super important. Any purchase you make of the books we discuss will support that mission, and I'll also receive a small compensation as well. That's another way that you can help support the show. I thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful day, and most importantly, I hope you get some time to read today. Bye.